Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 94 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking with you about parenting small children in an emotionally destructive home. So to start off, let's define our terms. By small children, I just mean children that are not teenagers, younger than teenagers. And then let's talk about what an emotionally destructive home is. I would say that an emotionally destructive home is a place where there is very little freedom to be authentically you without being shamed or put down. So basically, in an emotionally destructive home, you are unable to express your emotions. Emotions are considered bad. You can't express your opinion. I mean, you can, but it's, you're, you're shamed for it. It's bad. You can't express your hurt. If you express that you are hurt, then you are told that you're being a whiny baby, you're being dramatic, or you're a bad boy or girl. You can't express your dreams, that you're told that they are stupid or crazy, ridiculous or unrealistic. You can't express your desires. Your desires are selfish and rebellious. So basically, when a child is rewarded for hiding, for staying quiet, for submitting without question, and for stuffing his or her emotions, you've got a Petri dish for emotional dysfunction to grow. Children growing up in these types of homes believe that this is what love looks like. They believe this is what normal looks like. They don't know anything different. So when they grow up, they're going to be attracted and feel comfortable in more of the same. And they're often, uh, they often get into abusive relationships as adults. Okay, another way that an, a home could be emotionally destructive is if the child gets his way all the time. If the child runs the home, the child controls the parents, the child has no boundaries or limits, the child gets to treat everyone around him or her like dirt, and there are no consequences for that. Now, in both of these environments, you have a lot of shame, you have a lot of fear, and you have a lot of control. And of course, we have to keep in mind that there is a spectrum here. Um, it Maybe it might be good to contrast some of this with what an emotionally healthy home might look like. So in my mind, an emotionally healthy home would be where you'd have an environment of love and acceptance, support. You'd have authenticity and freedom to be who you are, you know, where everyone in the family is able to be who they are and be accepted as who they are. And you'd have respect, mutual respect for one another. In homes like this, children are able to grow up free to explore who they are in a safe environment. And they learn what real love is. Now, no home is perfect, right? But some homes tend to bend one way and then some tend to bend the other. Since this podcast is for women of faith in emotionally destructive homes, we're going to address homes where the husband 
has patterns of behavior that are creating an environment of shame, intimidation, fear, and control. And husbands can do this and fathers can do this overtly by yelling, disrespecting family members verbally or physically expressing his disapproval. Or the husband father can do it covertly by passive aggressively putting others down, even with a smile on their face. So, you know, like nicely putting them down, um, kind of like a joke or neglecting the needs of the family members through deceitfulness, withholding affection or communication, or using the Bible to make others do what the man wants them to do. I teach the women in my program this concept of how an abuser pretends that the people in his immediate family are like Lego characters in his universe. You know, when a child plays with a Lego character, he makes the little plastic character do and say what he wants it to do and say. So abusers do the same things with family members. The only problem is that real people aren't Lego characters. Real people have real opinions and ideas and problems and weaknesses and preferences and dreams and goals and on and on and on. And all of those things are going to be different from person to person and from child to child because human beings are unique. This means that real people are not Lego characters. So here's what happens, though. The problem is that when the abuser experiences his family members showing up like the real people they are, he has a little hissy fit because they aren't doing what he says they should be doing. They aren't following his manual for how wives and kids are supposed to act in his universe. They aren't playing his game. It's emotionally destabilizing for the abuser. So how does he find his balance and comfort himself? He does this by grabbing the real person and forcing him or her back into the Lego character role. Now, we all as humans have a tendency to want to control those around us. It helps us to feel like we're in control. But the difference between a real bona fide abuser and your average human is that the abuser is literally unable to see how he does this. He has zero self-awareness. He truly believes that his universe is the universe, God's universe. He's made himself out to be like God, knowing what is right and wrong for everyone else. This is the same sin in the garden. This is basically playing God in his own home. And this has a devastating lifelong effect on the other family members. It tells a lie about God and it tells a lie about human beings. You can't have emotional or spiritual health in an environment like this, not in a home like this, and not in a church like this where people want to play the same role of God in the lives of other people. You cannot love and pretend that the universe is yours at the same time. So what do you do? You're a mom living with a man who's doing this to you and your children. You're all living in a home filled with smoke and it's suffocating you. So let's just say that you actually are in a home full of smoke. 
and you couldn't leave, what would you do in that situation? You'd probably go open some windows and get your kids over to the open windows and tell them to breathe in the fresh air, right? Because if you keep breathing smoke, you eventually die. So you'd all sit there by the windows and you'd breathe in the fresh air until you could come up with a different plan, a more permanent plan. So let's talk about what this would look like, practically speaking, to bring your children to an open window and breathe in fresh air if you were living in an emotionally destructive home. Now the smoke represents all of the lies. Fresh air is the truth. We can't just tell kids about the truth. That's like sitting in the middle of the house full of smoke and saying, kids, I know that we're suffocating in here, but outside the air is amazing and clear and you can breathe deeply and it's awesome and sweet. Are the kids going to understand the truth? Are they going to get it? Are they going to buy into it? No, they're not. And it's not going to help them to know about the truth if they're not actually breathing in the truth for themselves. They actually need to experience it. That means that you're going to have to show them what breathing clean air is like. You're going to have to give them the fresh air yourself. Do you know what I see a lot though? The moms are not going to the window themselves to get the fresh air. Their beliefs are keeping them in the middle of the house. And as long as they won't breathe in clean air, their kids won't have the chance to breathe it in either. And this is why it's so important to get help for yourself first. You can't give water to a thirsty child from an empty bucket. Ask me how I know this. So what are some of the beliefs that keep moms and kids huddled in the middle of their smoke-filled homes? I need to play small. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good child. I'm a failure. I need to be silent. Maybe I can make the smoke go away if I'm better. I am rebellious. I'm dumb. I can't succeed. Maybe the smoke is my fault. My purpose is to make my husband happy. My purpose is to make my daddy happy. I'm stuck. My duty is to submit. My daddy is God's representative. My husband is God's representative. I shouldn't use my voice. Separation and divorce are sinful. So what do we feel like when we have those beliefs, when those beliefs are embedded in our system and we're living in homes where that's what we're breathing in? We feel hopeless, worthless, numb, or angry, frustrated, empty, purposeless, overwhelmed, probably a lot of other things too. So what do all the family members do when they feel all of those feelings? They fight, argue, cry, throw temper tantrums, withdraw, hide, defend, hit, run, freeze. You know what the results are? They all remain stuck in the middle of the house, choking on smoke. You guys, the home is not going to change. The home is going to be full of smoke always. 
We cannot change the fact that this home is a smoke-filled home and it's always going to be that way. I see so many women who've been sitting in their smoky homes for decades. Why? Because they believe their home is going to change. They believe their husband is going to change and they keep fighting the smoke. We can't fight smoke by waving our hands around and yelling at it. And you can't hide from smoke by crawling under a bed. The smoke is there and it's there to stay. You can either leave the home or you can learn to breathe out an open window. Those are your two options. And that's where your power is. That's where your survival is going to lie. So knowing that you can't change your smoky home, what can you do? You can change what you believe about your situation, and that's going to change everything. Let me show you how this works, okay? What if you had new beliefs that were more along these lines? God made me separately and with purpose that has nothing to do with a man or with my husband. I'm a good mom, and I'm always striving to learn more and to hone my skills. I'm doing my best I'm a good wife. I want to give you an illustration. Um, I, I'm remarried, and I remember I used to think that my relationship with my former husband was like playing tennis, and I would throw, I would hit the ball in his court, and he would never hit it back. And I actually have a little article on my website where I talk about this analogy. And pretty soon, all the balls are over, over in his court. And he's over there going, yeah, she's such a rotten tennis player. Look at all these balls over here. And now I am remarried and I am playing tennis just fine. I'm with a man who hits the ball back and we can play a great rounds of tennis, right? So I found out that where I, whereas before I thought, oh, I must be a terrible tennis player because we can't, we, there's no volleys happening here. Is that what they call that, volleys? But now I know I'm actually a really good tennis player. I just was playing with the wrong partner. Okay, so if you think I'm a bad wife, just keep that in mind. You could just be, could be that you're an amazing wife and you just are playing with the wrong partner. I can do anything I put my mind to. God gave me my voice to use. The smoke is not my fault or my responsibility. I am kind and loving. I'm smart. My purpose is to love others. And sometimes love means letting go. I have choices and I will take responsibility for those choices. My duty is to tell the truth to myself and others. My authority is God. Now, helping your children breathe is telling them every day things like, you are a wonderful little boy, and I love you with all my heart. You are special and unique, and there is no one like you. Your voice matters. I want to hear what you think. What happens in this family is not your fault. Your purpose in life is to be fully and completely you. That's God's destiny for you. Find out who that you really is. It's an adventure to discover who you are. God is your father and he never yells or criticizes. He loves you just as you are. And he is okay with mistakes and failures because he knows that's how we ultimately succeed. 
When you are breathing in the fresh air of truth on a daily basis, you will begin to notice your emotions shifting. You and your kids are going to begin to feel the start of hope and love and peace and freedom, safety. You're going to begin to feel more relaxed and confident and centered and kind and patient. And when you feel those feelings, you're going to see some new behaviors begin to emerge. Things like compromise, more gentle tones when you're talking, more self-control, more creative activities, more cooperation, more sharing, more helpfulness, more respectful behavior. Now, am I talking about creating utopia? Of course not. That's not realistic. But I am talking about creating shifts that will give your kids a fighting chance at having a healthier emotional life with opportunities for healthier relationships and greater success in life. So the key takeaway for you today is, if you live in a smoky home, stop trying to get rid of the smoke. That's a waste of your energy. Instead, get to the nearest window and start breathing in the fresh air of truth. Then invite your kids to join you. Once you can breathe, you'll be able to start healing. If you're in the Flying Free Sisterhood program and you want to hone your parenting skills and learn some practical tools, you can hit up the Effective Parenting course. And if you're not in the program yet, be sure to get on the waiting list for the next opening in April of 2021. And you can do that by going to joinflyingfree.com. Now, maybe you're already divorced and you're out of the smoky house, but you still feel like you're choking on the smoke that's still stuck on your clothing. Maybe you brought some of that smoke into your new home and you'd like to get your life back. You want to find out who you are without the smoke. I would encourage you to consider my new program for divorced women of faith called Flying Higher. In that group, you'll learn how to organize your mind and your life, how to get things done, how to create the future of your dreams, how to lose weight, how to handle money, and how to find a good man if you want one. This group will be opening up on January 27th, 2021, and you can get on the waiting list for Flying Higher by going to joinflyinghigher.com. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, would you do me a huge favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review for the Flying Free Podcast? Your review can be totally anonymous, and the ratings and reviews encourage Apple Podcasts to show this podcast to more potential listeners. This is how we can spread these kinds of messages to other women of faith who need to hear them. You guys, advocates like me who work in this field get a ton of flack from haters. Abusers do not like us, and they aren't afraid to leave rotten reviews and try to destroy reputations. But there are more of us than there are of the haters. Our people just tend to be more afraid and hidden. But collectively, we can make such a huge difference. So let's band together and support one another in spreading a message of love and freedom to our sisters. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fly free.